Wow, last week was amazing. Uh, can I be honest with you? I was so nervous before that sermon. Oh, man, you step out in faith like that, it rack, racks your world as a, as, a lead, as a lead guy. That's all right. I just don't want to trip myself or hang myself. I was so nervous because it was like, I'm going to go step out in faith and do something bold for the Lord. And, and, and so here's my picture before Sunday morning is everybody's going to walk out the building because I'm out of my cotton-picking mind, right? <laughs> and, you, and you all jumped on board. That's what I love about the faith of Grapevine. Amen. You're right there with me. So, yeah, And last week when we, were, when we were preaching, we were reminded that Grapevine is only going to be rebuilt if we are fully committed to the Lord. Remember we talked about that. Being fully committed to the things of God, being fully committed to this process, being fully committed, listen, in our personal relationship with the Lord, that's where it begins. And our first and most important task in all of that, can I be honest, is saving souls. That's what God is in the business of doing. So today I want to share with you this sermon I've titled, Whatever It Takes, because we have to be willing to do whatever it takes to win the lost. That's how you build a kingdom. If we focus on lives here, God will take care of all that out there. Amen? Amen. If we focus on the things that really matter, listen, we really don't need a building right now. If we stayed right here, we could get by. You know we're not. We've already been growing. We, we need a building, and God knows that. But our focus should be on winning the loss right now and, and discipling those that come into the house and, and pouring into their lives and, and doing some amazing things that, that, that only God can get the glory for. Amen? Because He deserves the glory, right? He does. And so, you know, if you guys haven't met Dean yet, Dean's going to be helping me with the men's ministry starting this Wednesday night. So he's already got plans. He's got a lot of you guys have been coming to me, and, and he's got a lot of support. Dave's a good support right there, too. Dave is a great men's ministry guy right there. There's others in this room, too. But he's already planning a men's breakfast. He wants to do things every month. And now we know you can't do everything every month. But at least he has a heart to do these things. A lot of you guys were coming to me, when are we going to have a men's breakfast? I don't know when you're going to put one on. <laughs> I don't even eat breakfast. What are you talking about? Yes. Amen. Welcome, Phyllis. She's new. Welcome. Welcome. If you're new to the Grapevine, I know Dean already covered that once, but welcome. There's a, there's a visitor card that we'll give you, and if you take that out to the foyer after service, we're going to give you a $5 gift, uh, Starbucks gift card just for saying hi to us and leaving us some information. And all we're going to do is we're going to send you a letter. We're not going to stalk you, I promise, okay? We're not into the stalking business, but... We just want to make sure that you have a good time and uh, that your needs are being met. So you, you might have heard this story before, but there is an evangelist. Have ever, anybody ever heard of Leighton Ford? He, he was speaking at an open-air crusade. I think it was in Nova Scotia one year. And, and Billy Graham was scheduled to speak the next night. And he arrived the day early. So he decided, hey, I'm going to go to the, the, to the conference. I'm going to go out to the open-air crusade. But I'm going to go incognito because I don't want people taking attraction away from the ministry time. And so right in front of him was an elderly man that was sitting throughout the entire uh, teaching of, of Mr. Ford. 
And uh, he was just listening very intently. And when, and when the invitation came for people to come forward as a sign of their commitment to Jesus Christ, this, this older guy, he just sat there. He didn't get up and go like just about everybody else was doing. So, so Billy decided, I'm going to do a little bit of personal evangelism on my own. And he, he, he tapped the man on the shoulder and said, Sir, if it will make you more comfortable, I'll go up front with you as a sign of commitment to our relationship with the Lord. And he looked up Billy Graham up and down and didn't recognize him. He said, no, no, I think I'll wait till tomorrow when the big guns show up. Yeah, so, so this man was waiting for Billy Graham to show up, who was actually sitting right there. It, a lot of us have in our minds that soul winning is the job of the evangelist. People like Greg Laurie and Billy Graham and, and all these, these guys that can put together a, a big old conference, you know, 5,000, and they all come down to the altar during, during the, the altar time. Or, or they think it's people like myself, the pastors, or, or the other leaders in the church, or guest speakers that come in. But, but that's the farthest thing from the truth. The Bible's very clear that each one of us who knows Jesus as, his, as our Lord and Savior is called to, I hate to use the word evangelism, because then I'm an evangelist, that scares me. We're called to soul winning. We're, all, we're called to, to talk to others about our relationship. That's the call. That's the mandate on our lives. So this morning, I want to share with you three principles that I believe will, will help you in regards to soul winning, amen, that will help you get outside your box and maybe give you, give you some framework in leading others to the Lord. You know, I gave myself my life to Jesus Christ in a small church on Union Highway in Bakersfield, California in 1997, Amen. And Pastor Richard Hill is my pastor today, and if you came to the birthday party, you probably had a chance to meet him. Um, he's, he's my senior pastor today. It's, he's the one that, that verbally led me to the Lord. But can I tell you this? He's not the one that really led me to the Lord. Grant Smith is the man who led me to the Lord. He's the man who invited me to church. He's the man that, that sowed into relationship. Pastor Hill knew me. He never even met me before I stepped in the doors of his church. Not many, I won't say none, because some are drawn by the presence of God to a building, amen, to, to a fellowship, to a church. And some of you in this room have told me that story. God just told me to stop by. But most of us come to church because someone invited us through relationship. And I came out of obligation because I hurt this person who was a good friend of mine, and I couldn't tell him no anymore. But he was a good friend, and I hurt him, and... Uh, and he forgave me, and he had grace on me, and it was, it was baffling to me that I didn't get the beatdown that I deserved, uh, and that he loved me enough to say, you know how you can make it up to me? You'll go to church with me this Sunday. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. So by whatever means, hold it over their head. No, I'm kidding. But he loved me enough to tell me the truth, amen? So before we go any further, I want to ask you this question. Who led you to Christ? You don't have to answer out loud. Next most important question is, who are you leading there now? Who are you intentionally leading to the Lord? Who are you intentional about your relationship with so that they come to know Jesus Christ? Grant Smith was very intentional. He was relentless, almost a nuisance. You going to come to church with me? No. I'm sober. I'm good. I'm doing all the right things. He was looking at me up and down, uh-huh, yeah, okay. But soul winning is intentional. It's not accidental. It's 
told you guys many times, you're not an accident, you're an on purpose. Soul winning is the same thing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read this verse and we're going to pray. Uh, actually, 19 through 23 are the, is my text today. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without the, Lord, or the law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became the weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Let's pray. Father, such an important topic today about soul winning, about being intentional, about building relationships with the unsaved and letting our witness, letting our lifestyle, letting our walk draw people to the house of God because they're curious about what we have that's changed our life so drastically. I pray that today you would help me to to share this word that the Holy Spirit has stirred in my heart this morning, that you would allow us to walk away from this place more intentional about the work we're all called to do, going out and making disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we need to be fully committed to the Lord in order to build our lives and to build Grapevine Fellowship. It's going to require some discipline. It's going to require some, some letting go of some things. And even as we prayed this morning about releasing things to God and, and, and just being open to the things of God. You know, there were things that I did as a young Christian, godly things, things that, well, okay, godly might be a stretch of the word. But things that I did that were not ungodly as a young Christian, that as I've matured and as I've walked closer to the Lord and as, as I've become more like Jesus, those things aren't quite as attractive to me anymore. Those are things that I have put aside for the sake of the gospel. Those are things that I have I've decided to, to let go of in my life so that I can be more intentional and more focused on my relationship with the Lord. So the first point that I got for you today is, 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 is the header is I do whatever it takes to reach others when I surrender my ways in order to win the lost. You know, Paul said in, in verse 19, for though I am free from, from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. You know, for those of you that study the Bible, you'll know that this passage of Scripture comes right in the middle of a, of a larger section of Paul's letter where he's talking about the issue of giving up our rights for the kingdom of God. Listen, if you are a Christian, there are some things that you, that you think you have a right to or that you feel are rightfully yours or maybe some, some things that you grew up under, uh, some disciplines that you have, some things that you used to walk in that, that need to be let go of. We need to be willing to let go of our rights. And right here in chapter 9, Paul's talking about his rights as an apostle. He has voluntarily given up his rights for the sake of winning the lost. If you look back in chapter 9 to verse 12, he says, If others have the right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? 
But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is talking to them because what he's saying is, look, as a minister of the gospel, I am entitled to certain things. I am entitled to have my wages paid. I'm entitled to have a place to lay my head down when I come into the city. I'm entitled to have meals. I'm entitled to, 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 to be able to live life without working outside of the, of the church, if you will. But Paul's saying, you know what, I give up those rights for the sake of the gospel. I'm willing to, to, to forego those things so that I can win more people. Because there was this, this thing going on, this entitlement thing going on in the church at that time. And, and, and people were coming in who said they were preachers and they were taking all the wages and they were making them take special offerings and, and give me your first goat and, you know, give me your hairy cow and, and, and all those things. And, and it just wasn't working out. So Paul said, look, I, I want you to understand that even though I have a right to those things, I am not, God is my provider. God will take care of me and I'm willing to give up those rights so people see the gospel in me. And Pastor Kerry and myself, you know this, I'm not saying this in a braggadocious way, but we, we walked away from the majority of our salary. The church takes good care of us. I am not saying that. We are blessed and highly favored. You guys have done more than enough. Amen? But if we wanted to continue to live with our jet skis and our 403B and, and all of those things, I would have just stayed doing what I was doing. But I was willing to give up those rights. See, I paid my dues. I've, I've, well, I'm going to come off the stairs right now. I have won. I've, I have won. I haven't, but Christ in me has won literally thousands of people to the Lord in my few short years of ministry. And so I can lay claim to that. I can say, you know, I've earned my dues. I can stay somewhere making six figures a year with 401K and a, and a guaranteed increase every year. And I can do those things because I've, I've earned it. But really, all I've earned is the opportunity to try to save more people. To, to serve the Lord in the capacity that he's called me to. To be willing to, you know what, I'll walk away from half a salary. I'll walk away from a retirement plan because, I, you know what, I don't even know if I'm going to get a chance to retire. I'm going to get raptured. Come on, somebody. And, and if I do, God's providing all that on the other side. If I, if I live till retirement and God tarries that long, Justice Wilson's going to be a rock star. He's going to take care of his daddy anyway. Amen. Come on, I just prophesied. But Paul said, you know, on the, we're going we're gonna, to, rather than hindering anybody, we're going to just go ahead and say, you know what, we got this. You know, we call that turning the other cheek sometimes. Sometimes you just got to be willing to, you know what, I, I have some rights. Matter of fact, the scriptures even say I have some. We're going to get to this in a minute. There are some rights the scripture even says I have. And even Paul is going to address these in a minute saying, you know what, I'm willing to even forego those rights as a man of God, if it will win more people. God is not asking us to, to live in, a, in poverty, to live below our means. He is our provider. When he speaks, know that he will provide. When he calls you, know that he's got your back. Amen? Where God guides, he provides, right? And Paul begins and ends this passage of Scripture with being very clear about his motives. And that was to win as many people as he possibly could to Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, that's my motive here. My motive as a pastor it, it isn't just to, to disciple you. That, that's, that's part of the pastoring part. But the call of God on my life, the, 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 the wiring in me is evangelism. 
And it means that there's got to be people coming to him. There's got to be life. There's got to be life flowing through the building. Amen. There's got to be a river of life moving. There's got to be souls because God radically saved me out of some pretty serious stuff. Amen. I got one witness out of all that. And, you know, motives are very important. And matter of fact, it's one of the oldest questions around deals with motives. And that's why did the chicken cross the road? Right? And here are some answers of pretty famous people that you'll, you'll recognize their name, of, of them trying to figure out why the chicken crossed the road. Donald Trump says this, to steal a job from a decent, hardworking American. <laughs> I don't know if he actually said that. That, was, that one I made up. Dr. Seuss says this, did the, did the chicken cross the road? Did he cross it on a toad? Yes. Yes, the chicken crossed the road, but why he crossed it, I've not been told. Grandpa, everybody has a grandpa. In my day, we didn't ask why the chicken crossed the road. We were just told the chicken crossed the road, and that was good enough for us. Right? How about Barbara Walters? Remember her? In a few minutes, we'll hear for the very first time from the chicken the heartwarming tale of how he overcame his fears and went on to accomplish his lifelong dream of crossing the road. Right? Captain Kirk. To boldly go where no chicken has gone before. Amen? <laughs> All right, one more. How about Colonel Sanders? I missed a chicken? Right? So, you know, we might be able to question the motives of the chicken, but listen, if you read in 1 Corinthians, you will not question the motives of the Apostle Paul or, or the motives that he's calling each one of us to in regards to winning the lost. I'm convinced that when it comes to evangelism, how committed we are to reaching other people is revealed in how willing we are to give up some of our rights. How willing we are to, to let go of some things and, and some time, talents, and treasures. Amen? I heard another story. You want to hear another story? About a priest who was in a local bar doing some evangelism. I don't know. I don't know why he was there doing evangelism. And he's trying to gather some people to go to heaven. He's trying to save some souls. And so he goes to the first gentleman. He says, son, would you like to go to heaven? And he said, father, yes, I would like to go to heaven. He said, then go stand over there against the wall. And he goes up to the second man and he says, young man, would you like to go to heaven? He said, father, yes, I would like to go to heaven. He said, then go stand over there against that wall. And he went up to a third person. He said, son, would you like to go to heaven? And the son looked at him and said, no, no, I wouldn't want to go to heaven. And the father was confused, and he looked at the young man. He said, son, you don't want to go to heaven when you die? And he said, oh, when I die? I thought you were getting a group together to go right now. <laughs> you see, I don't know why. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I just do. It's just because it's just that's what I do. But, you know, we need, we need to face it. Sometimes we get kind of stuck in our ways. We get, we get kind of stuck in, in a rut. You know what a rut is? Yeah, it's a grave with the end cut kicked out of it is what it is. Because if you're stuck in a rut, you're dying. But if we really want to be full, fully committed to the things of the Lord, we're, we're going to have to be willing to give up some things, to give up some of our rights. One of those could be our right to associate only with people who are like us. How about our right to be comfortable? How about our right to use our money however we want to? 
how about our right to do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it? How about our right to not be bothered? You know, winning the loss will come with a, with a, with a, with a price. It will cost us a little bit. So the first point is we, we, we do whatever it takes to reach others by surrendering our ways in order to win the loss. Number two, we do whatever it takes to reach others when I connect with the lost without, listen, without conforming my ways. Paul tells us that he learned how to connect with people that God had called him to. Listen, Paul studied about their culture. He, he studied about their background. He, st- he studied about their language, if it was a little different dialect than what he was speaking. To the Jews, the Bible said he became like a Jew. To those under the law, he became like one under law. To those without the law, he became like one without the law. And to the weak, he became the weak. And he summed it up in verse 22. He says, I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. He's passionate about saving the lost. And man, when you give your life to Jesus, isn't it like one of the first things? When, do you remember getting saved and you just started thinking, going through the, the list of people you know who need Jesus because you, you finally found what you were looking for and, and, you, and you remember, oh my God, all my friends, all my family that don't know him, they need to know him. And, and then as years go by, we stop praying for him as much. We stop talking about It's always a fight, Pastor Ron. I know. I know one conversation we stay away from in, in, my, in my wife's home with, with her dad is, is politics. Oh, my gosh, that guy is, woo! I hope you're not listening to this tape, Dad. And religion. We approach it. And we know where to draw the line. But sometimes I've got to be willing to eat crow. Or chicken. You know, if we're not careful with that last verse we just read, I might become all things to all men. We could go off the deep end and think that Paul is some kind of wishy-washy guy that kind of goes into every environment and just does everything, but it has a life without any morals or principles. But that's not what Paul's saying here, and that's not the lifestyle that Paul had. He wrote over half the New Testament, people. God wouldn't use a man like that who was wishy-washy in his faith to write the most important book of our lifetime. So how did Paul connect with the culture around him without conforming his ways? And, and how can we do that in our own lives? That, those are your bullets. By not isolating ourselves. Listen, there's no secret service Christians. I'm a Christian, but I don't tell anybody because I don't want to be ridiculed. What? Jesus was persecuted. You'll be persecuted. You better tell people you're a Christian. Sometimes as Christians, we have a tendency to isolate ourselves from the, from the real world. We, we hang out with other Christians only. We frequent Christian businesses, and, and we go to Christian schools, and, and we read Christian, Christian publications, and we listen to Christian music. Listen, there's nothing wrong with any of that. I do all those things too. The problem is when we use those things to hide ourselves from a real world, from a, from a world that's dying and going to hell. Man, we need to be praying for apathy. Remember what we talked about? Apathy is the worst thing possible when you just don't care. When you just don't care about people who are dying and going to hell. Oh, my gosh. I would ask you to check your heart. Is Jesus really there? Because if he's there, he's going to give you some compassion in that area. He's going he's to cause you to grieve for the lost. 
Jesus said this in John 17, 18. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. We've been sent. Amen? And even though Paul was familiar with the cultures around him, that, that doesn't mean he acted like that. It means he didn't, he didn't do what they were doing. For example, when he says, I became like one not under law, he's very careful to let us know that he wasn't lawless. Paul was fully committed. He was, he was under the law of Jesus Christ. He was in deep, intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world. You know what it goes on to say, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove what is that acceptable and perfect will of God. Transformation of the mind. Listen, when you don't like the things you used to like, that proves, man, I'll tell you what, my greatest testimony was when I didn't crave the things that I used to crave. People would look at me, what is wrong with you? Why, you, don't act, you act so different. You don't cuss anymore. You don't, go with, you don't smoke, chew, or smoke, drink, or chew, and you don't go with girls that do. I'm like, I know, I don't get it. It's because there was a transformation of my mind, and those things didn't matter to me anymore. The only thing that mattered is is my relationship with the Lord, and how can I tell you about that? Number two, by not intimidating others. Man, you better get Jesus right now. That's not how you do it. I'm sorry, Isaac. You got to smile. I already gave you that one, huh? Number two, by building relationship. Oh, no, I didn't. Where am I at? Okay, there we go. Yeah, there you go. There you go, by building relationships. That's where we're at. All right, another Billy Graham story. These are true stories, by the way. He, he went to a small town to preach, to preach a crusade, and he, when he got there, he wanted to mail a letter. So he, he asked a little boy, son, do you know where's the where the post office is. And so the little boy told him where it was, and Billy Graham thanked him. He said, listen, if you come to the crusade tonight, I'll tell you, uh, you can listen to me tell people how to get to heaven. And he said, no, I don't think I'll be there because you don't even know where the post office is. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a true story. It doesn't say how Billy responded to that. I was like, you're right, bud. You're right, son. Yeah. You know, in the Corinthian church, there were some people who believed that they weren't supposed to connect with unbelievers in their community. That's why Paul's addressing this issue. He talks about it in chapter 5. Look at verses 9 and 10. He said, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would have to go out of this world. You know, when my wife and I moved from Santa Paula and our pastorate there and, and God was doing something really weird, I, I, I shared a story, I'm not going to go into that, but I ended up working at a home builder, Century Vintage Homes, for a season. And, and God did some amazing things there, but, you know, I didn't go in there and putting myself on blast about being a pastor. and I just went in there and tried to be the best employee I could be, and, and God was using that that season in my life to train me in some areas that I really needed some, some growth in, in administration and, 
and, and all the, the office suites, you know, and, uh, Word, and they, they sent me to school for all that stuff. But, but anyway, the point is this. Just after a season of being there for a while, you know, people talk. You talk in the lunchroom, and, oh, what did you, you know, where did you come from? Oh, Santa Paula, oh, what did you do? Oh, I used to pastor a church. So, 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 so things started spreading around a little bit. And I remember one time I was walking down in the hallway. I was going up the stairs, and another woman was coming down the stairs. And she goes, she caught me after, after we passed each other. She said, excuse me, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She goes, can you tell me what it means to be in the world but not of the world anymore? Because she saw that on a, on a window sticker. Boom, God opened the door right there for me. You know, the next thing you know, I'm, I'm doing weddings that century for people, my coworkers and things like that. I kind of became the resident pastor. So people would come to my desk or try to catch me in the lunchroom if they had a question about something spiritual. And it wasn't because I was running through the hallway saying, I'm a pastor. I, matter of fact, I was kind of hurt. I was kind of looking forward to a season of just refreshing. And I didn't really want that role at that time. I was like, but don't you know that when God calls you to something, that's who you are? whether you want it or not. So I didn't, I didn't push it away. I didn't say, I'm not answering your question. I said, oh, let's talk about that. God, if you're going to open door, I want to walk into that. And we shouldn't expect unbelievers around us to act like believers, right? Until, they come into, until Jesus comes into their lives and changes, and they're going to act like sinners. But how are they going to commit their lives to Jesus unless we're willing to commit to them so they can see Jesus in us? Romans chapter 10, verse 14. I want to read this out of the NLT, and I'm wrapping this up here in a minute. But how can they call on him who saves them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him, and let in, in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Listen, I've, I've said this over and over and over all of my Christian life, and many times already at Grapevine. The only reason we're still on this planet after salvation is to seek and save the lost. Otherwise, God would just rapture you, get you out of this vial, get you out of this planet that is, that is dying and falling apart, that's sin-ridden. He loves us too much to leave us here, but his, his purpose for your life is greater than all that. His plan for your life is greater than all that. It, it, it goes beyond salvation for you. Otherwise, we're just selfish. Ooh, I got saved. Woohoo! I'm on the road. Forget the rest of you. Yeah, no, you just begun. Listen, the best tool of evangelism is not my preaching style or my obviously above average good looks. That's not it at all. It's, <laughs> can I get a witness right there? No, it's, it's the joy of the Lord that I have. It's the smile that I wear on my face because God has, has set me free, amen. He's doing something inside of me. So, so personally, evangelism comes through a genuine love for Jesus Christ. And that, that overflows, that flows out of you. So lastly, I do whatever it takes to win the lost when I put my, aside my needs for the needs of others. 1 John 3.16. Come on, Mike, I'm wrapping this up right now. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren you know one more story D.L. Moody he was approached by a woman one time who criticized him for his method of evangelism and how he tries to win people to the Lord and 
You know, his reply was profound. He said, I agree with you. I don't like the way I do it either. He said, but tell me, how do you do it? And she says, I don't. He says, I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. Listen, can I tell you, we just need to do. We just need to open our mouths and tell people about Jesus. But i got to go a little bit deeper real quick. Because if, if our heart isn't right with the Lord, and we live a lifestyle, I'm not going to tell you what that is because you already know. We live a lifestyle that's unpleasing to God, that, that's no different than the world. We behave like the world, we talk like the world, we act like the world, we do like the world. And you're trying to evangelize people, they're saying, what's in it for me? You're no different than I am. So we've got to go back to the original question of last week or the original response, to be fully committed to the Lord is what it's going to require to build the kingdom. That building is nothing more than a kingdom assignment. It's a kingdom assignment, and that's why God's going to build it. That kingdom assignment starts here by being fully committed to him. And so you're here this morning, and you would say, you know what, Pastor? I, I want to be fully committed to the Lord. I want to help build Grapevine, and I want to build into the kingdom of God. Would you stand to your feet and join me right here? As, much, as many as you, you can. I'm not going to run around, push you over, lay hands on you. I think we need to pray a corporate prayer about being fully committed to God. It takes a community to win a community. Some of you are still coming. There's room. Now nah, we'll make room. Soul winning is the personal responsibility of every one of us. It's what God's called us to. It's not as difficult as it may sound. Living your life to the best of your ability for Jesus Christ. And people will be attracted to that. Let's just lift up our hands. Father, we love you today. God, we ask that you would respond right now to our step of faith, saying we desire to be fully committed to you. We desire to be little evangelists, Lord, to, to show the world who Jesus is to us. Give us opportunities, Lord. Don't let us become, don't let us get drawn into that pattern of behavior, but Lord, Help us to be strong as we, as we walk through areas of life that, that are opportunities for us to witness. God, give us the words to say in every situation. Some of you feel like you just don't have anything to say. If you will just pray, God, give me the right words in the right situation, he'll do that. It's the Holy Spirit that will speak through us. So, Father, as we commit our lives right now back to you to be fully committed, fully dedicated sold out for you, Lord. I pray that you would respond and meet us right here in this altar. I pray that every one of us that leaves this place today would be changed by the very appearance of Jesus Christ, Lord, that we would be closer to you than we've ever been in our life. God, that people would begin to respond. And, and as, as the Spirit showed me in, in, in my prayer time, as we are walking around, Lord, that our feet will, will be in the path 
of righteousness. It'll be in the path of, of resources, of favor, of dedication, of people with means, God. And I know that, that we will be faithful to those things as the Holy Spirit leads us. Bless this day, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Oh, we love you guys.